Hey, what's up, Cub fans? Welcome to episode 117 of Locked on Cubs. I'm your host, Ryan Davis, and I'm here with Sean Sears, and we have a very disappointing Cubs game to talk about. Yeah, man. They just, uh, just after they, they have a really great win against Pittsburgh, you know, a couple nights ago, they have this stinker against the Padres, a team that for some reason the Cubs love to just struggle against. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I mean, they swept them in San Diego, right? So they, they right. should, they should be able to, I mean, we talked about all the reasons why they should win, uh, three out of four in this series yesterday. And at this point, that means they have to win three in a row, which, I'm not going to be like shipping all my money on the table saying I'm totally sure that's going to happen, but yeah. who knows? It still could. Um, after my claim that the Cubs needed to go five and two in this seven game stretch against the Padres and Royals, they kicked this off with the uninspiring six to one loss. Joe Madden pulled Mike Montgomery after five and a third innings and just 79 pitches with no runs allowed. And reliever Jesse Chavez allowed a broken bat blooper for a base hit and then a three run homer. That was all she wrote, but for good measure, the Padres piled on three more runs uh, on the Cubs' bullpen combination of Justin Wilson and Brian Dunsing. Tonight's game features Jose Quintana, or I guess today's game at 120. Jose Quintana against Tyson Ross. Quintana was really bad against the Cardinals last Saturday, allowing six earned runs in the first inning and going just three innings overall. But in his previous nine starts, he had a 2.94 ERA in 52 innings pitched. So there is at least some hope that maybe the last game was uh, a blip in the midst of an excellent stretch and not like, you know, regression to the mean or anything like that. So um, Tyson Ross, uh, 8.87 ERA over his last five starts, and he allowed four earned runs in five innings in his most recent game. So... Uh, let's talk briefly about Quintana in today's game. Yeah, I mean, Quintana, the, the big issue really was he just didn't seem like he had his stuff, like his feel for his stuff in his last start. Uh, it just looked like he was just really struggling to figure out where the ball was going. Um, you know, June and July have not been too kind to Quintana. He's got ERAs over four right now. Of course, he's only pitched, what, like, you know, he hasn't even pitched in August yet, I guess. So, you know, time to turn a, leaf, a new leaf maybe. But, yeah, it, it just seems like – it was like he was battling himself a little bit. He couldn't throw strikes. And then when he was throwing strikes, they were way too far in the middle of the play. And, you know, they just happened to come with the bases juiced. So, yeah, you know, he's got to execute is really what the issue is. Wasn't so much like Quintana was, you know, I he just got to be the Quintana that we're used to him at this point. So, yeah, and I, I still feel like that's coming. Uh, he had been pitching really well before that for, for a decent right. stretch of games. Um, we had been talking about how, and like I, in the press box, I mean, I was talking with uh, like Sahadev Sharma of the Athletic, Gordon Whitmire, uh, a few other guys. You take out uh, Q's start against the Braves, and he had a really excellent season going on. He had two bad starts against the Braves. One of them was in like really terrible, awful weather when they shouldn't have been playing. It was that like fourteen to ten Cubs win where they came back. Right. Um, and we, we were talking about it. We we're saying, hey, Q's actually been really good, kind of quietly. Like his ERA is a little. Um, misleading. He's been great against everybody but those two games against the Braves. And then, like after the first inning, I, I think I remember Gordon Wittenmeyer saying, like, like he was fake typing, like Quintana been really good against everyone except the Braves and the Cardinals. <laughs> 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 and it was like, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it seems like a couple bad games have really clouded our perception of how good Quintana has been this year. Yeah, I would agree. And like you said, the peripheral stats show a guy that's, you know, executing, not doing terribly, but it's just 
unfortunately, he's just been like annihilated in these games that he's really bad, like like eight runs or more in some of these games. It's just crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the the mean is what we should be expecting from Quintana today. Hopefully, if he just, as long as he avoids the walks, which are relatively high this year, that's the one downside. Uh, if he can avoid the walks, Quintana's been great. So, yeah, yeah I would say that like uh, for him, if I had to make a, a an expectation or or a prediction on what I think he's going to do, I'd say he's going to go out and give you uh, six innings with two earned runs, and that's pretty like the the Jose Quintana start, I think, at this point. Six innings, probably like a hundred pitches and two earned runs. Yeah, I would. Excuse me. I, I would say that's about right too. I mean, it's and that's what he's been doing pretty much all year. Just like you know, when you have some of these starts where you give up a massive amount of runs, it's gonna inflate everything for you. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he locates the he locates his pitches. He trusts his stuff. I feel like that's something he's got to do too as well. Uh, he gets too fine. We talked about in his last start. Just seems like he really like it's either just like on the black or it's a ball, and or it's you know on the black or kind of catching too much to the plate. He's got to hit his spots. Yeah. Well, yesterday, uh, I, I guess I misrepresented Robbie Erlen a little bit. I didn't do like a whole bunch of research on him and I missed the fact that he had been a reliever, uh, most of the season. So yesterday was, uh, his third start of the 2018 season. Oh, and, uh, in his previous two starts, um, the most pitches he had thrown all season was 70 in a game. And in his previous two starts, he combined for seven innings pitched with 11 earned runs. So this is a guy who the Cubs were thinking at most you're getting like 75 to 80 pitches out of for the Padres, and you should be able to hit pretty hard. And they let him get through five innings on 79 pitches and one earned run. So this is, I mean, obviously great. These guys are all great. Everyone who makes it to the major leagues is like, you know, you know at the very like small top percentage of how great they are at this game so any one of them can have a great game but the fact that he did it against the cubs after that win against the pirates starting this stretch of winnable games here before you get back to playing some better teams it just seemed like really unfortunate timing and i i completely get why a lot of people were very frustrated with what happened in last night's game you should have beat up on this guy yeah, I mean, to come away with three hits all together against the Padres after they had 15, uh, it's just like, what? I mean, there's power outages, but then there's just, like, bad approaches, and that's, I think, essentially what the Cubs had in this game. It, it's unfortunate just because, like you said, that, you know, everything leading up to it seemed like this should be a pretty easy one, especially when you factor in they're going up against a reliever that doesn't normally start. It's just... I don't know. They, they have these games where they just look like they can't do anything or they're over-aggressive or they have pitchers that are attacking them when they're trying to be patient. It just seems like they get caught, you know, going one way when they should be going the other way. Right. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not the guy who usually complains about Madden's lineups because I don't really think it matters that much. But sure. when you have a situation where a player is struggling really badly, uh, I do think it matters then that maybe you move them down. And at this point, I don't think you should be lining it up in the first inning. Rizzo one, and then Almora two. Uh, I don't think out that that combination. I think if you, I'm fine if you want to leave Rizzo in the in the one spot if you think that's, you know, going to be good for him. Um, I think it's arguable that moving him down to three or four at this point would be better. But um, Almora two right now, I'm I'm fine keeping him out there. But 
he doesn't see a lot of pitches, especially when he's going poorly. And I mean, he just hacks away really early and makes contact. And and right now it's just been like weak fly balls, weak ground balls at fielders. Uh, it's not working out for him at this moment. So I, I feel like he needs to be closer to the bottom of the lineup right now. Yeah, Albert has not been swinging the hottest bat as we were talking about here. And I mean, it's a bummer because he had been doing so well recently um, up to this point. Uh, been easily, I mean, like in May and June was probably the hottest, one of the hottest hitters the Cubs had. But I think him and Russell have cooled off quite a bit to the point where they're both like batting. I think it's like like 220 or lower somewhere around there in the month of July. Uh, hopefully those guys can both pick it up. But yeah, Al Mora was a huge part of this offense just because, I mean, the defense he had in center field on top of what he was doing at the plate. Um, so, I mean, you hope that those guys turn around. You, you need them to turn it around, especially with, you know, Chris Bryant being gone for probably the rest of August. I would say it's probably safe to assume. So, I don't know. You, you need a bat like Al Mora in the lineup to kind of just keep things going. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. You need to keep him in there, uh, and and you need better production from him. And this is a guy who doesn't walk a lot. I kind of mentioned he doesn't see a lot of pitches. Uh, he swings early. Um, he's When he's going well, he's driving the ball kind of up the middle of the field hard uh, on a line or even on the ground. Um, that's usually uh, when he's collecting his hits. And uh, just recently, I it's been a lot of weak ground balls like at third baseman or, or weak fly balls to like center field. So it's, it, it's just not, he's going, he's not going at, at the rate that you expect him uh, when he's successful. You're not seeing like the successful swings out of him. And um, I would bat him like seventh until he starts doing that again. And I don't know who you move up because, you know, so many of these guys aren't hitting well, but um, when David Bodie's in there, for example, I feel like I would rather have him batting second instead of Albert Almora. Yeah, at this point, Bodie's giving you more productive at bats, you know, and that's that's really what the issue is. Like Elmore, like you said, is a guy that he doesn't see too many pitches a lot of times. He can be very aggressive. Uh, I mean, he outside of March and April, uh, he struck out 15 times, which I think was the highest in the month he's had in a long time in the month of July. Uh, he just grounded into a lot of double plays. He just doesn't take the most effective at bats sometimes unless it's a hit. Um, and, you know, if, if you're going to, slap the ball onto the ground or strike out or not be productive in these outs like Joe really wants his teams and loves his teams to do. I mean, you know, that's what it is. Being second half, his second half batting average is 190 right now as opposed to his 319 first half batting average. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's indication of uh, a struggle for the last few weeks. Yeah, he's um, just not been there. I, I expect Elmore to pull together just because he has been great all year for the most part. Um, but yeah, it's crazy to think that it, the guy that at one point was leading the club in batting average is now like, you know, trending towards like sub two where you've got like Ben Zilbers leading the club in batting average. It's interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Brian Dunsing. Uh, two innings yesterday. He allowed two earned, two earned runs. His ERA still going up. Uh, even from where it was, it was like seven eighteen or something like that. Yeah. I, I didn't check what it is now, but it's higher than that. I can tell. More. Yeah, it's higher. Um, he just—it's everything we talked about yesterday, and we've talked about before. He just doesn't look right. He doesn't have the magic anymore. He's never mm -hmm. been um, the kind of guy that uh, you really relied on in a bullpen. He had his career year last year. Uh, I didn't expect it out of him. I don't think many people expected what he did last year. I feel like. He's not as great as, as he was last year. He's probably not as bad as he is right now. But at this point, does he have much time left? I feel like 
you know, Randy Rosario has to go back down for 10 days. Um, after one day, I, I don't see a reason to keep Dunsing around and not bring Rosario back. So in my opinion, he's got nine more days to give the Cubs reasons to keep him instead of DFAing and bringing back Rosario. Yeah, I mean, he just can't locate. He's another guy. I mean, like his his walk per nine is close to seven. His K per nine has dropped down to below six. He was at nearly nine last year. Uh, he's just not the same guy whatsoever. He isn't locating. He's getting crushed. Uh, he's just ugh, like he doesn't leave runners on base. He doesn't he doesn't do anything right. It seems like a lot of times and <laughs> teams are are smacking the crap out of them right now and that'll happen when you're going to leave balls over the plate or you've got hanging breaking balls or your fastballs and doing what you expected to do so i mean he just he's kind of a mess and like you said nine days he's got nine days to figure it out until he's gone and i have a person on twitter that has constantly reminded me of why even though i do agree that you know randy Rosario clearly is having a better season than brian dunson it's hard to even argue that i just thought like you know like we talked about in the podcast a couple days ago like you give you give Dunson one more shot just because you have some time trying to figure it out. But yeah, he, he, the dude has the shortest of leech, leeches right now, and he's got to make the most of his opportunities or he's gone. And I get 35 years old. I can't see him finding another uh, club spot at this point in his career. So it's, it's do or die for Dunson, sadly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, his numbers look bad. And the sad thing is they're probably better than they should be. So, uh, right. from, from the beginning of the season until almost the end of May, he threw 16 and two-thirds innings. He only allowed nine hits and one earned run, but he walked 11 guys and only struck out 12. So he was wiggling in and out of trouble quite a bit. I mean, that's 20 base runners in 16 and two-thirds uh, with only 12 strikeouts. So he had, he was in a lot of trouble, only allowed one earned run. That's uh, That's pretty impressive. Now... If you want to look at what he's done since then, doing the numbers here real quick. Yeah. In, in two-thirds innings since. So this is May 29th to current. He has allowed 27 earned runs for a 13.75 ERA. That is not good. That is... <laughs> that is bad. That is... That is... I, I feel like I can be objective <laughs> and say that is bad. <laughs> that is a bad number. Three that is... There's a 354 batting average against him, 453 uh, on base percentage, and a 608 slugging. All, all batters against Brian Dunsing uh, in more than like a game and a half of innings have an OPS of 1.060. Yeah. So Brian Dunsing's making everyone look like an MVP, which is uh, yeah. exactly what you need in your bullpen. <laughs> right. Yeah, Dunson's days are numbered, unfortunately. And it's sad because he had such a good season last year and he turned into quickly like one of Madden's like favorite guys to go to. It was a great guy to have in the bullpen as a lefty veteran. And he was pretty solid in the postseason too. Uh, I was surprised the Cubs gave him a multi-year deal after last year. But right. yeah, it's uh, I wasn't upset about it because he had a great season. But yeah, now it's, uh, it's kind of biting in the butt a little bit. But I don't know. I mean... You, you think maybe that he figures something out. Maybe he's having a renaissance of his career. Now it looks like he just kind of had more of a, just a really good sort of unexpected season as opposed to figuring it out at 34 years old. So, And we talked about this before, but $3.5 million this year, $3.5 million next year. It's not uh, an absurd amount of money to expect no. the team to just eat um, because you, you, yeah. Or, or maybe you DL him and just say, Hey, we're not going to release you. And that's your, that's your silver lining here. We're just dealing you for the rest of the year and 
see if you can figure about figure it out and come back next year yeah. um may, maybe he <laughs> maybe he finds that good enough i don't know <laughs> yeah you gotta love the case of uh not being good at baseballs <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it's the greatest dl assignment that there were <laughs> yeah he's got a sprained era all right um <laughs> speaking of uh disabled let's let's talk about brandon morrow we had yeah. an update on him yesterday we talked either yesterday or the day before uh, about how um, my sense is that he's kind of far away at this point, um, maybe returning at the beginning of September. They said that he uh, picked up a baseball and threw from 60 feet yesterday and did it pain-free, and the update was kind of, and now he'll throw again in a few days. Um, or like, I think what Kelly Krull said on TV was later this week. So we're talking four or five days probably before he's throwing again and still not off a mound so i feel like my my sense that he's still at least three weeks away is is pretty on spot here yeah i mean if anything gives you an indication about how like you know this update really isn't much of an update tony put in his article tony Draghi put uh pitches in quotes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tossing roughly 30 pitches from about 60 feet away yeah so i mean you know it it's still i mean good news but yeah he's still probably a little ways away <laughs> yeah that's not good <laughs> you don't want pitches in quotes yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right um well i think that wraps it for our um our first segment yeah. uh, i wanted to get a little bit more in depth about uh, a very questionable move from yesterday's game that i think really affected the game uh, we can talk about that a little more in the second segment so yesterday uh in the midst of that six to one loss joe madden made i think a top five head scratcher for him uh this is it's not quite uh, game six and seven of the World Series combined, like with the Chapman stuff. It's not quite Chapman, but so in the in the bottom of the fifth inning, the Cubs had runners on first and third with one out, still tied at zero, trying to push across that run. Mike Montgomery comes up, but I think at that point he was at like fifty eight or fifty nine pitches through five innings. So obviously the thought process here, watching the game, I'm thinking well, you're not going to pinch it for him because this guy has only thrown, he's thrown less than 60 pitches. He's, you know, given up a few hits, but he's made good pitches throughout the game to get out of the, you know, a few jams and hasn't thrown a ton of pitches. So obviously he's having a good game. No runs allowed, blah, blah, blah. So I get batting him there. You're hoping maybe he can make contact in the infield to get that run home from third base, maybe move the runner up to second two and, you know, give David Bodie, who's batting next, Maybe uh, maybe one run in, two outs, runner on second base. That, that's what you're right. hoping for. Um, he ended up hitting a little chopper in the infield that did score the run from third base uh, after a, a review and overturning the out call. Mm -hmm. And then um, you're basically just left with Bodie at bat, Mike Montgomery on first, and two outs. And Cubs only got one run, but, you know, okay, if you're going to leave Mike Montgomery in, that's what you're hoping for. So he comes back out in the next inning, gets one out, uh, walks a guy on a very borderline pitch that may have been strike three or at least could have been called strike three. Uh, and Madden comes out and pulls him. So from there, Jesse Chavez comes in, who's been really good. Yeah, um, Jesse Chavez comes in. He gives up a broken bat blooper um, for a base hit that gives the Padres first and third. And then Austin Hedges hits a three-run homer and the game's over. So Madden was asked after the game, what the hell were you thinking? And <laughs> those words exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
uh, I think that was Jesse Rogers. No, anyway, um, he was asked what he was what he was doing there, and to paraphrase him, he said that um, he let Montgomery stay in because of all the reasons I said. But once they had the one to nothing lead, his mindset going forward was preserving it, and he felt good preserving it by going to Jesse Chavez and then matching up with the bullpen from there. Um, so, my question to you. Is that sound logic or does it sound like he just really botched the situation? And it was completely like poorly planned. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, like I don't get it. Like what, if you're really seriously planning on pulling Montgomery, or getting him on the short leash and getting your bullpen in there, then why even let him take that at bat? Like if you know, like he's just going to come in and if he makes a mistake the next inning, you're yanking him. Like why? Like what's, what's, what's the point then, you know, get a real batter up there pinch it for Tommy LaStella earlier um, and let him go out there and try and do something with more damage. I mean, a base hit with, a you know, on the right field side, probably it definitely scores one potentially could have scored two uh, depending on where that ball's hit. Uh, instead, you get Mike Montgomery chopping a ball and lucking out into a run and then just getting yanked. It's just like, I don't know. It just, it's one of those situations just makes you want to pull your hair out just because it's like, okay, I, I get what you were thinking, but like the like common sense, just completely like should trump whatever your like logic you're using to make that in like uh, <laughs> it just makes me so mad ryan <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's like um if it, it just sounds like poor planning to me because yeah if, if you know that your logic is going to be i'm going to pull him early at the first sign of trouble in the next inning uh if we get a lead here i might as well just pull him now you had ben zobrist on the bench Right. Pull pull him now. Put Ben Zobrist up there with first and third. This the guy's red hot. Uh, get him up there and see if you can get a lead and then match up with your bullpen from there. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. You know, I, I don't get the logic. I feel like it was um, kind of uh, like retro retconning the situation by trying to explain it away. I think it was just a completely botched situation. And, you know, I was talking to my wife about it yesterday. I was like, you have two different things that can happen. You have um, poor decisions, and then you have uh, decisions that end poorly, and then you have like the meet in the middle terribleness of poor decisions that end poorly. And yesterday was poor decisions that end poorly. Yeah, yeah. It was just like uh, I. You just don't. You just don't do that. You just don't make that decision there, uh, especially after you decide like, okay, well, I'm gonna stick with this guy. Uh, I don't know. I get Chavez has been so hot and, you know, that's fine. But if you know you're going to have a short lease on a guy like Montgomery and he comes up to the bat with, you know, a, you're easily the best scoring chance you've had all night and a night where your offense has looked awful, why are you keeping Montgomery in there to make that crucial bat when you have plenty of people that could have stepped up there? And especially a guy like Ben Zoberst, he is smart enough to know that, hey, let's not smack a ball into the right to the second baseman and get a you know double play to end this game, you know, or end this inning. You know, like he's going to take a good at bat and work the ball into an area that at the very least is not going to cause two outs. He's going to at least try and get the run across. It's frustrating just because if you're going to make that decision in your and you know you're going to make that decision, then why, why bat him? Why bat him? Just be smart. Like think about this in a cohesive way. Don't just, you know, take it piece by piece, game by game you know, part by part, like Madden likes to do sometimes. I know he's over, he's always thinking and always trying to outthink and do what he's doing to try and get that advantage. But I also feel like, you know, it's your best scoring chance of the entire night. You know, put the guy up there that's going to make something happen as opposed to the pitcher you might think you could pull in, you know, a half inning. It just, just very frustrating. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, the Cubs did score the run, but let's face it, it was, you, you call it a fluky run, it was. It was um, uh, a really creative slide by Wilson Contreras that uh, allowed them to score a run when the ball beat him by a mile. Um, yeah, it was uh, out at second base, throw home, and here comes Contreras late, sliding in, um, doing the swim move, and <laughs> and get, stealing the run after the umpire called him out. So, I mean, it was it was a situation where they were really lucky to get that run at all, and you know, maybe they don't score a run if Sobers comes up. Maybe he does hit and do a double play. Maybe, you know, maybe something weird happens. Maybe he strikes out and then Bodie pops up. I don't know what happens if right. uh, if he goes to Sobers. But I definitely know that if I knew that you were going to pull my, Mike Montgomery in the next inning just because he walked a guy, yeah, I wouldn't let him bat there. I'd just say, well, then we're going to start with Jesse Chavez to start the inning and see if he can get three outs rather than bring him in with a runner on first and one out. Yeah, just give him a clean inning. Like if you if you know Chavez is going to be a guy you're expecting to pull up in the next inning, or you're you're giving Montgomery a short leash, on, which makes no sense to me still too, because he looked great too. It's not like he was struggling. Um, Give up some hits, but that was about it. Some of it was uh, like weak contact, little floaters. I mean, some of it was hard hits, but I mean, wasn't walking guys much. I mean, he right. he seemed to be making good pitches. He looked decent out there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like if if the Cubs had taken the lead in that inning. I mean, and they left Mike Montgomery in there. I wouldn't be surprised if he got through six innings. I mean, he looked solid. I mean, they pulled him at 79. It would take, you know, probably a little bit of work and whatnot to get him past to, through those six innings. But I mean, I, I don't know. It, it just, I mean, I guess it's a, a case of what could have been. But yeah, man, is this frustrating just because it really feels like Joe Madden just, you know, outsmarted himself or maybe didn't be as smart as he should have been. I don't know. It, for a guy that's always taking, you know, it seems like that extra step to outthink or, or think ahead or plan ahead. This just kind of felt very like in the moment, like, you know, he's not feeling it where he's done. Yeah. And I mean, Christian Villanueva was coming up and he had he hits lefties. Well, he had already hit one of the warning track off Montgomery. So I see why you don't want him to face him with a runner on. But if you are that, if you are scared enough to pull Mike Montgomery at 79 pitches after five and a third innings, the runner on first base because Christian Villanueva is coming up, then you probably should have just planned ahead and said, we're just going to pull him in this situation. We're going to pinch it with Ben Zobrist and we're going to have Jesse Chavez come out for this inning, or we're going to match up with, you know, whoever uh, to come out in this inning, pitch the fifth or pitch the sixth. Maybe you put Chavez out there to pitch the sixth and seventh. And then you go to, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. in the eighth page or strip the ninth. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Or maybe, maybe you use like eight relievers to do the whole thing, whatever it is. You have to go one way or the other. You have to either commit to keeping your starter in there until he gets into actual serious trouble, or you have to pull him uh, to get those runs in. Exactly. You got to be decisive. You can't sit in the middle and then make a decision afterwards. Uh, it had to have come before. And like you said, if you're going to make it, you just got to be smarter. That's really what it comes down to. Like that kills me. That's just a dumb play. I'm sorry. Like it, you just have to be smarter. You have to make a better decision there. And cause it's like any, the decision you made now, it's just like, you can't even justify it. Like, I don't care if you thought like, well, you know, you know, we thought maybe, you know, Montgomery could go a little bit longer. We just felt like in that moment, Chavez had a better matchup. It's like, okay, well, if you, if you had that hindsight or that, that foresight to think about that, then why the heck is he batting in a crucial situation? It's just like that you have to be smarter. It just felt like Joe Madden made a decision instantly and didn't think about, you know, repercut like in the next inning when Montgomery was up at bat. It's just, uh, it just makes you it makes you want to tear your hair out just because it's such an easy, simple like okay, yeah, if we're gonna do this, let's just get a different batter in here. It just yeah. 
cut and dry. That's what should have happened. It didn't. It's not guaranteeing the Cubs would have won or lost or anything. But I mean, on a night that the Cubs clearly were struggling to score runs, this this was the move. I feel like. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, it, the game plays out totally differently if you pinch it for them. Uh, either they don't score any runs, or they still get one run across, or maybe they start a big inning and get three runs. I don't know how it happens, and that. But then you know, if you have Montgomery out of the game, it lines up differently than. Uh, Chavez, Wilson, and Dunsing. So uh, it's not like the Padres are guaranteed to score six from there. So um, I don't know. I don't know what you what you say about this game other than, you know, uh, turn your back on it and look forward. You still have six games against the Padres and Royals in which at this point you probably need to win five, which sounds ridiculous, but considering they have a one-game lead in the division. But... I mean, you really do. You, you can't. You can't go four and three, or, or God forbid, three and four in these games against these very beatable teams. I mean, the, the Padres were nine and thirty-one in their last forty games, and they're the worst offensive team maybe in baseball. I think definitely in the National League. No. So, how do you lose six to one when they have a reliever on the mound? I, I don't get it. Uh, we can we can stop ranting about this because it's making my blood boil. But um, yeah, any final thoughts on yesterday's game? If the Padres hit 375 for a game again, I will find whoever is pitching and I will say very mean things to them. I don't know. Uh, I just like it. This team, it, the Padres scored 15 or is hit 15 or hit the ball 15 times against the Cubs. The Cubs managed to scrape three hits across. One of those being like a chopper to Mike from Mike Montgomery that was an RBI somehow. Like it's just like, ugh. Like why? Why? This seems so bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> All right, let's go to some more positive news with uh, the third segment. We'll talk about the NL Central. Yeah. So as bad as the Cubs looked yesterday, I think it's safe to say the Brewers had a worse night. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> the, the Dodgers beat them 21 to 5, uh, which we really appreciate. Uh, that I think that's a split series for them. So yeah. hooray. Um, so the Brewers lost. Uh, the Pirates were off, so they gained a half game. Uh, the Cardinals went into the ninth inning against Colorado Rockies, trailing two to one, but rallied for two runs against Wade Davis, who blew his fifth save of the season. The Reds have totally lost their winning mojo. They lost uh, ten to four to the Washington Nationals, and now they've lost three straight games. So the updated standings: the Cubs remain one game up on the Brewers at sixty-two and forty-six, while Milwaukee is now sixty-three and forty-nine. The Pirates gain a half game and the Cardinals gain a full game. Both those teams now 56 and 53 and six and a half games back. The Reds drop to 48 and 61, still 14 and a half games back. So I guess the good news is the Cubs didn't lose their slim lead, but in a, on a night in which the Brewers lost 21 to five, when the Cubs had relief pitcher Robbie early in on the mound against them and a solid effort from Mike Montgomery and, you know, the San Diego Padres at Wrigley field, it feels like they really should have, you know, been able to bump the lead to two games. Yeah. To, to avoid sounding just like the worst pessimist around, uh, you know, I, I will just say the Cubs botched an opportunity to really take advantage of, you know, the, the Brewers getting beat up, uh, would have been great to get a two-game lead in the Central. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. The positive news is we're playing the Padres, and I, especially after a frustrating loss like last night, I cannot imagine the Cubs don't come out there and have a very aggressive mindset. And I think that's exactly what you have to do against a Padres team that is 
has okay pitching, essentially no offense, despite getting 15 hits last night, and just all around is one of the worst teams in baseball. Like, this should be, like, a smack. Like, the Cubs need to smack around the Padres to make me feel better. They need to do this for me. But no, no. Make make t-shirts, hashtag do it for Sean. Yeah, exactly. No, but, uh, I mean, like, when it comes down to it, it's the Padres. It's a frustrating loss, but, you know, to see how quickly the game turned – I mean, you know, it, it very well could have gone the Cubs way just as quickly as it went the Padres. So I'm not a, that upset about it. It's just the way it, it came about was very frustrating to watch. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, we've hit the point in the season where um, we and I think the fans probably start to live and die with each game a little bit because there's a lot of anxiety about the team. Yes. Uh, you've got Chris Bryant on the DL. You've got you Darvish on the DL. Brandon Morrow's on the DL. Um, they've had these stretches where they play really well, and then they have these stretches where they play really poorly. You were thinking maybe they would go kind of on a run coming out of the All-Star break, but instead they're like 7-7 seven and seven since the All-Star break, or I think that's about right, yeah, or 7-8, seven, right. seven and eight, I think. But um, at any rate, it hasn't been great. You built up a three-and-a-half game lead on the Brewers at one point, and now it's back to just one game. I think there's a lot of anxiety about this team, and it's kind of manifesting in this, like, you know, hey, one day we do a podcast where we're like grumbling about losing a, a winnable game against the Pirates. And then the next day, you know, hooray, Cole Hamels was great. And Brandon Kinsler pitched a great inning. And yeah, the Cubs beat the Pirates. Awesome. And then it's just like, but then they lost six to one to the Padres. It's kind of becoming a roller coaster. And I don't want to be the guy who's, you know, two different people, you know, depending <laughs> on how the Cubs react or, or win or lose. But it's like, you know, just be consistent. Don't, you know, don't give me these awesome games that make me think you're the truly the best team in the National League, and then give me the games where you lose six to one to a very beatable Padres team. Yeah, and I think I think the other issue too is like the Cubs are just a team that's always going to go against conventional wisdom because that's how Joe Madden is. Um, and it's like pretty easy to point at things that are just like frustrating the fans like Rizzo batting lead off the pitcher in the eight hole like Brian Dunson still on this roster um you know like there's just a bunch of random things that like you like any person that like has common baseball sense looks at this and it's just like what like why why are you doing this why why is this happening but then when it all works it's like okay well yeah Joe Madden knows what he's doing let's just shut up but then when it doesn't work again the next day, it's like, oh, why don't you just listen to normal people, Joe Madden? But, you know, it's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's balance. And like you said, we're probably push, we're probably overreacting to an extent. But yeah. it's just the way, way to the situation at this point in the season. Every win is important. Every loss is more detrimental than it was to the last. And you just have to pull together. And that's, that's what we're waiting to see. Because right now, the Cubs, even as they struggle here, are like very much still in control of this division, can still take it and still push themselves in a situation where they're still at you know the best team in the National League, put themselves at a four or five game lead in the Central. It's very easy to do because the Brewers, as difficult as the Cubs have had in the second half, the Brewers have been much better. You know? Yeah. So. yeah. And yeah, I feel like, and not to, to harp too much on the one thing, but... I feel like if Madden does pull Montgomery for Benzo worst in that situation, that is the outside the box thinking, right? Like pulling your starter after five innings at 59 pitches, right? Like grab that lead. Most managers, the conventional wisdom is to leave him in uh, as long as they can. If you pull him there for Zobrist and let's say the Cubs scratch out that same one run and then you bring in Jesse Chavez for the next inning, he still gives up a three run homer. 
I think we're still disappointed in the loss because it's still a loss against a very beatable Padres team, but right. it's a very different conversation that we're having because at, at that point you have the good decisions that went poorly rather than the bad decisions that went poorly. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's really what it is. I mean, when it comes down to it, it comes lost and that sucks. But uh, yeah, at least if Joe Madden had made that decision, you could at least be like, okay, well, I, I, I see the logic there, you know? Right. It's defensible. Even if you don't like it, even if you think, you know, you only scratched out the one run, might as well have left Montgomery in there. Maybe Montgomery doesn't give up the runs, blah, blah, blah. You can argue that all day. At least you have a defensible argument. And that's usually all I want out of Madden is give me something that I can understand your logic, whether I agree with it or not. Generally, I understand where you're coming from. That's right. all I want. And this one, I, I don't get it. I think you, I think you made a really awful decision that went as badly as it could, and they lost a game. Yeah, that's uh, that's about where I'm at. <laughs> about where I'm at right now. So, well, let's go ahead and wrap on that. Thank you for listening to uh, Cubs Bitch Fest 2018. <laughs> uh, the Cubs play today at 1:20. I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure the lineups are out. Uh, I'm sure the you know Albert Amor is batting second. That'll probably be what it is. And it's Rizzo leading off. Uh, Zobers at second, batting second. Uh, Hayward in right field. Uh, Javi. At short, batting fourth, and then a hap in center. Noel Moore today. Okay. Schwarber sixth in left field. Victor Carantini catching. He's batting seventh. Quintana eight, and Listella at third. Okay. I can deal with that. Nobody makes me angry, but I can deal with it. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. I mean, load up against the left or load up with lefties against Ross. Uh, yeah. We'll have to see. But yeah, uh, no Elmore. I think that's probably the move right now. Let him kind of clear his thoughts, get into the right yeah. moment. And then hopefully Madden will do a little bit like he did last year, pick his moments and let you know Elmore have the right matchups to kind of bounce back and then get the confidence back. Right. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. This is one episode 117 of Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Ryan Davis. That's Sean Sears. Hopefully we have uh, another Serenity Now podcast for tomorrow.